My name's Rad, and I want to tell you about the Transformers. My curiosity is aroused. Hey folks, and welcome back to Transformers Tuesday, the fan hole spinoff show where we talk Transformers all the time and every time. I'm Mike, I'm going to be your host for this episode, uh, and uh, this is a very spooktacular episode. It's our Transformers Tuesday's Halloween episode that we usually consistently do every year. We pick a, a again, spooktacular episode or comic from the Transformers universe, and uh yeah, tonight we're discussing uh, the Beast Wars episodes, Feral Scream Part 1 and Part 2. And uh, who is join- who, which Transmetal 2 fan holes are joining me tonight? I'm stronger. I'm faster. I'm Transmetal 2-er. This is Derek. Derek WC. Hey, this is Justin. Hey, guys. This is Tony and Teen Wolf. Gonna how tonight. Oh, it's not Teen Wolf? Okay. But yeah, like I said, we will be talking the Season 3 uh, Beast Wars episodes, Feral Scream Part 1 and Feral Scream Part 2. Uh, I picked these because, I mean, you know, like I said, they have a kind of spooky atmosphere to them. They have a, you know, a, there's a sort of a Halloween through line like there. And uh, I mean, these are also kind of like toy promotion episodes. But I mean, I think, you know, there's some kind of there's some kind of value in them. Like, in a, I mean, I like to go into my history with uh, the, this two parter, uh, like I, they're not among my favorite beast wars episodes, but they do hold a little bit of significance for me because I think these episodes are maybe the last time, like a toy spoiled something in the show for me. Because, like, these both, like, Feral Scream Part 1 aired in America on January 24th, 1999. And I remember I got, for Christmas, my two best friends, one of them bought me Transmetal 2 Cheetor, and one of them bought me Transmetal 2 Dinobot. And, like, I didn't know, like, you know, they were going to come, like, those episodes haven't had an aired yet, so I didn't know they were going to show up on, on the show. So, like, I was like, oh, cool, new Cheetor, new Dinobot. Like, I didn't know this was going to happen. And, like, I, first, I must have avoided it if it had been spoiled on the Internet, too. So, like, I had eagerly, you know, the first four episodes of Beast Wars had aired at that point. And, uh, you know, we, we saw, like, the Cyber Raptors that Megatron had cloned. So, I, like, some of us, I know people were speculating, oh, maybe he'll bring Dinobot back because, you know, the Raptors or whatever. And then, yeah, when Beast Wars, these these were the first two episodes that aired that year when it came back from, like, a little hiatus. And, like, you know, I was like, oh, cool. Like, they are going to use these toys, like, in the show. So, yeah, like, I, I, I owned the to- the toys of Transmetal 2 Cheetor and Dinobot before I saw these episodes. And I think that may be the last time that happened, maybe. Like, I, I think... Um, like the internet became way too pervasive after this point, and like you basically knew everything or a general idea of what was going to happen on the show beforehand after this point. So like, yeah, like this, these two episodes hold that kind of significance, like to me, like that they might have been the last time I was ever spoiled by the toy aisle instead of the internet or the actual show itself. So, but uh, I don't know, like, what's some of your like histories with these? this particular two-parter like justin like what do you have a certain attachment to feral screams uh, part one and two not really i mean i appreciate it like just because it's kind of like you know spectacular and waspernator is doing his best like igor and that always cracks me up it's like it's so over the top and hammy that but i love it he's like yeah you know for no reason unless waspernator saw like you know 
James Wells Frankenstein or something. He's all like, yes, master. <laughs> He's like rubbing his hands together. Like, I don't know, that just tickles me. As for like toys and getting spoiled, like, I don't really remember that. Like, I, I owned the Transmittal 2 Dinobot and I, I really liked that figure and I thought it was cool. The uh, Transmittal 2 Cheetor, I kind of have like a love hate relationship with. Like, I really like the beast mode. I think it's pretty badass, but. Robot mode, I don't really care for. Like, it's mostly like his his head. Like, it just looks really goofy, and he's got that kind of like goatee thing. I mean, I get it. The whole thing is like, you know, it's a metaphor. He's he's a teenager now. Wah wah. I mean, I get it. Okay, I get it. I just think the design of his robot head is a little like too like angular and cartoony, and it just looks like really kind of goofy. I don't know. But like I said, I, I really like the beast mode. Can I, can I just say that that when I was watching this again today, I, I think because I, I owned like pretty much all of these season three Beast Wars toys and I can totally relate to what Justin's saying. Like you kind of look at the transformations and you kind of go, oh, I don't know. This is this is kind of dinky and, you know, it doesn't doesn't really work for me that much. But then I was like. You know, puberty's kind of dinky and didn't work for anybody when they went through it either. So maybe like maybe maybe the toy is just the metaphor gone like way too far. Like where you're like, oh, this toy is awkward and and confused and 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 much like Cheetor's teenage years, you know, type thing. What about you, Tony? Do you have any special significance attached to these episodes? Like Beast Wars is when I really came back into Transformers. Um, I, I was definitely for a hot minute, you know, like truck, not monkey for a second. But, uh, when I actually watched the show, but lo and behold, I was like, oh, this is really good stuff. Season three is usually derided as the weakest of the seasons for many applicable reasons. It's like, yeah, there was some bullshit going on here, but Cheetor, it was always an interesting character because like. For me, he was always what Hot Rod should have been. He always got, like, really good development. He's the young Tyro. Uh, that is the old fucking word. Look it up. Tyro means basically, like, a uh, sidekick in the old days. Who is falling in the, like, succession of Optimus Primal. Even other characters, like, he's, like sometimes he's like, ooh, Rat Trap's cool. Ooh, Silver Bolt's cool. Ah, ah, and like you know, he's he's wanting to be these great heroes that he's around. Rhinox, even you know, like Rhinox, he's like, oh, he's so smart. So this being like, like you know, as stated, kind of like a puberty episode as well. Um, it's kind of funny because then he's like, you know what? Fuck you guys. I'm the cool one now. Transmetal two power. Who else is transmetal two? None of you guys. Shut the fuck up. I mean, I mean, you know, not really, but. He gets a little high on himself, you know, and, 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 you know, as far as the spooky Yuki, uh, you know, when I made my teen wolf joke that there is like, it's a little heavy handed, a little too on the nose, but the, the joke is quote unquote, or the, the more Halloweeny aspect is no one knows that trend, like transmetal two Cheetor is Cheetor because he looks so different and he's more, Again, feral, and and that's the mystery, even though it's a really fucking easy mystery. But, you know, it is kind of funny. They're like, who is this crazy cat beast that looks like a cheetah? I don't know. Who the fuck could it be? I have little summaries that I kind of swiped sort of from Wikipedia and then like made into legible English. So like, let me, I'll read the the summary for episode one and we'll discuss, we'll get into the finer details of it. But uh, yeah, Feral Scream part one aired on January 24th, 1999. Uh, It's written by Greg Johnson and directed by John Poser. That that's poser with a Z. Yeah, I don't know if that's pronounced that way, but John Poser. Yeah, but Megatron creates a Transmetal Two clone of Dinobot using Rampage's Spark, a sample of the original Dinobot's DNA, and a machine powered by an alien artifact. Cheetor and Depth Charge attempt to interrupt the process, but Cheetor is presumed dead after Megatron's machine overloads and explodes. After capturing Depth Charge. 
the Predacons soon come under attack from a mysterious, feral, cat-like beast that drives them off, and the episode ends after a heavily damaged Cheetor returns to the base. So yeah, like there's, like Tony said, there's a you know a little bit of quote unquote mystery surrounding you know the mysterious cat-like beast or whatever. But I mean, I don't think it's as bad here as it is in the second episode, like where, and it's certainly not as bad as like something like Savage Noble, where it's like yeah, the obvious and like you know yeah. Where, but I will say in the first episode they do a lot more flash cuts to where you're kind of like oh okay 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 yeah yeah I'll give it that. Yeah, they, they they keep him in shadow, and it's a little more mysterious. But I, but I yeah, mean, Megatron seems to know right away who it yeah, is. Yeah, Megatron's no dummy. So. And 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 Optimus, Optimal Optimus, kind of is 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 you know he 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 puts it together before Cheetor tells him right like so. yeah. But uh, but I mean I, I like for the most I was excited when this episode aired because like I said there had been a hiatus since the last episode so I was eager to see the next episode and yeah like I mean it does a good job of selling all the new toys like I mean depth charge was still new at this point and then you know well I mean it does a good job of selling everyone but ironically like optimal optimist I feel like this is the beginning of a string of like humiliating defeats for him but like. <laughs> But well, I, I mean, he's I, I don't know. I don't know if you can chalk all of them up to being humiliating defeats. I mean, some of them are him doing the the dumb self-sacrifice move. You know what I mean? Like a lot a, a lot of it is him putting himself in harm's way to like save Cheetor or some some other member of his crew. So I don't I don't know that I I keep well, this I put this that one is a like, loss. I always make fun of the bit in the first couple of minutes where him and Megatron are just shooting at each other. Right, right. And like they don't hit each other for it. seems like fucking like five minutes or something like but it, It's like that naked gun joke where they're both find trash cans shooting at each other. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. But I mean, it, it does feel like um, there, uh, there is some of that aspect of of taming down, toning down the violence or whatever. It's like even though these guys have giant weaponry and cannons and things and they're supposed to be you know mowing down each other with gunfire you're right i mean it is ridiculous that they they have no cover while they're doing this and then you know what what do you what is it that you expect to happen other than to have some you know one person get shot or whatever but this is one of the few episodes where uh Optimus is in his gorilla mode um yeah. just two-parter and it's the last time we see his "Quote unquote transport mode" because he always uses his jet form. Yeah, he, like there's not. I guess there's not in on the Beast War, like on prehistoric Earth, there's not much like use of like being a like tank if you can turn into a jet. So like, yeah, he barely ever uses that ground mode. But yeah, I think like it's it's one of only three appearances of his Beast mode too. Yeah, so. But I mean, I guess he's you know. Well, yeah, I, I guess we we can get more into it in the second episode. But like, I guess there's well, not uh, much. Well, use. I read. I read I, re- I read the same wiki as you, so... <laughs> yeah, I think that's what the wiki says as well. But I, I, I was just going to say, like, the, before we get off the whole shootout thing, like, one part that, like, I kind of... Rewatching it today, like, one part that kind of, like, gave me a, like, sympathetic twinge or, a, like, an annoyance twinge was when um they're doing their shootout and, like, Waspinator goes to, like, catch the stasis pod as it's falling and Cheetor like dives after him and then Cheetor gets shot in the back by Megatron and like Megatron like takes the time to like laugh at Cheetor and then just goes back to his like pointless shootout with Optimus Primal and like that reminded me of playing like Gundam Extreme Versus because it's like that's when your fucking partner's fucking useless when you're doing something else and you get shot in the back by the guy they're supposed to be fighting it's like come on man like (laughs) This episode to to talk about the, I guess Frankenstein allegory, like in explicit detail. I mean, it's funny because, like you guys are saying, it kind of goes from a, a Frankenstein allegory to a a werewolf allegory with Cheetor's transmetal to, I guess, mutation or whatever you want to refer to it as. But like in the opening, it's it's kind of like you know. Megatron is Dr. Frankenstein and like Justin was saying, you know, Waspinator kind of serves as Igor. And then I guess if if you keep if you keep pressing that analogy, it makes 
the Transmetal 2 Dinobot, the Frankenstein monster, right? And I, I kind of feel like if this is, you know, the Halloween, you know, the, the Fanholes Fright Fest episode, I mean, it's worth talking about that. But I also kind of think in this introduction, it's very... Um, I mean, you know, I, I, I maybe maybe that's more of a criticism for Dinobot's character in general in this season or the Transmetal 2 version of Dinobot. But he doesn't seem very tortured like Frankenstein's monster would be. I, I mean, and, and I guess you could make the argument that like eventually he has somewhat of an arc. Right. But it takes a while before you you get to that arc. And in this, essentially, he's. He's kind of like a, a terrifying feral goon creature as well, right? That doesn't, I mean, what, he, 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 he chops up people with his claws and, and then he, he does seem to be very obedient, you know, as far as being one of Megatron's troops. So, um, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm just curious, do you guys have any different take on that? Like, did you have higher expectations like because i guess you know you go from like shakespeare to mary shelley right like that's kind of how i was thinking of this in terms of if you want to extrapolate to to uh, the uninitiated like the the level of quality right if if code of hero is the highest you know is the best episode of beast wars you know this is not the worst right it's not Chak and una you know, running around being cave people, giving grunts and oots and whatever, right? But it's not—it's not also the best either, right? And so there, there's some literary reference, like you know, there, there's some interesting moments. There's some some moody atmosphere here and there, but then there's also kind of some some goofy kind of Looney Tunes hijinks and like you know, we've been talking before, you know, these kind of uh, dog fights or firefights that that don't really seem you know they seem kind of ludicrous like if it was in a mel brooks movie it'd be played for a joke you know two guys unloading on each other and then you pan back the camera and see like all the bullets have missed right like it's there's there's some aspect to it that's kind of ludicrous right but i anyway i guess i just wanted to know what you guys thought of the whole you know before before we get too heavy into the maybe the werewolf analogy or the werewolf thing you know what did you guys think of of the the, the the elements of Frankenstein or Mary Shelley that could be applicable to this, and were you were you happy with the way Dinobot emerged, or did that did that implication put other thoughts in your head that kind of made you disappointed with how Dinobot was was played with in this? I, I think like uh, as far as Frankenstein goes, or Frankenstein's monster, um, you know, Mary Shelley's book was also like subtitled The Modern Prometheus. And Megatron really valued Dinobot and he would never knowingly accept that Dinobot was probably his best soldier who was competent. Obviously shown on the, the maximal side, he was one of the strongest like opponents to Megatron, but he couldn't deal with his treachery. So, you know, with like the whole idea of Dinobot 2, and even like the Cyber Raptors that Mike mentioned, he was trying to make the perfect Dinobot. He wanted a completely loyal, but still ferocious and aggressive, like, you know, being. And that's what Victor Frankenstein wanted originally. He wanted to create basically the perfect human, but it went fucking crazy, and it didn't work out the way he wanted much like Dinobot too. So the Frankenstein parallels are pretty, pretty on the nose. Yeah. I, I am a, actually a big fan of Dinobot too, but only like, I'm only a fan in him in theory, I guess like not like in concept. I'm a fan of him. Like, I think he's got a cool, like I, I think he's got one of the coolest Transmetal two designs. Like I know Transmetal twos are kind of, you know, uh, divisive, but I, I like Dinobot's like skeletal raptor design, and I like his you know his robot mode is nice and beefy. I don't think like the toy look like I, it's funny to say since I got the toy first, but like he looks so much cooler in the show than his toy looks like. Basically, like they they bulked him up, like they made his claws like bigger, you know, they made his face more like looking like original Dinobot, and like he just looks so much more threatening on the show. And uh, I'm sad that he wasn't, there was nothing done with him really until the very last episode. 
And I know like way back in fan holes history, me and Tony talked about like nemesis part one and two. And we talked about how disappointing it was that like, you know, they just kind of Dinobot got his memories back in the last episode. And there was like zero build up to it. Basically, it was just oh, he's got him back. And now he's basically Dinobot one again. Like and there, there was no like, you know, there could there could have been a lot of exploration of that. And there was that deleted episode, like Dark Glass, that would have like done something with that, but it got you know they didn't do it, and they did freaking go with the flow instead. So, but uh, I mean, I guess that's kind of where I lean towards because I, I I get what Tony's saying that that Megatron's trying to make the perfect Dinobot soldier that's loyal to him, and you know Doctor Victor Frankenstein is trying to make this. The, you know, prove that you can bring human tissue back to life and, and potentially make a, you know, an ultimate human being or something like that. But I guess I was thinking of it more in terms of, I mean, in most iterations of Frankenstein I've ever seen or read or, or, or had, you know, comic books or whatever. I mean, ultimately that character's a tortured soul, right? And I, I, I guess, you know, going to what Mike said, I, I never viewed Transmetal 2 Dinobot is tortured at all, you know, and, and, and that's why I think you guys are saying, you know, oh, they, they could have done they could have done so much more the, with that. Concept. The whole the whole gravity of Dinobot being like, quote unquote, resurrected is given like very little weight. Like he's just and I mean, after this episode, he's just one of Megatron's goons again, basically. And it's not like uh, <laughs> Optimus Primal says, like, you know, when they're looking for Cheetor, he's like, oh, no sign of Cheetor or that new Dinobot. Like, there's no weight to it. Like, oh, Dinobot's back? Like, you know, you think Rat Trap would have something to say about that? Like, you know, people would have something to say about that, but they kind of, like, gloss over it. They're saying, and, you know, maybe it's just because, oh, he's just a clone. It's not our Dinobot or whatever. But, you know, there's something, there, there should have been a little more weight to it, and there isn't any until that last episode, really, and it comes out of nowhere. So, like, I was always, I, I was more in love with the concept of Dinobot 2 than what he, how it was executed, basically. It's like Black Arachnia. She has this whole fucking arc where she starts off as just, just a Predacon, and then she's like, I don't know if I want to be a Predacon because they suck and they treat me like crap. Oh, I kind of like this Silver Bowl idiot because he's nice to me. And it's like you have a whole story. And it's like, oh, well, we can see why Black Arachnia switched sides. Um, and with Dinobot, it also makes sense. When they first land on Earth, he's like, I want to be in charge. And Megatron's like, no, fuck you. They have a fight. And he has no choice but to go with the Maximals. I mean, that's really his only choice. And he's like, I, I will join you guys. And throughout his whole arc, he's like, I don't like you guys, but you're my only option. And he slowly becomes friends with the entire team, more or less. At least respect. There's mutual respect. And then we have Dinobot 2. And, and that's what I'm saying. You know, it's like, could, that there, there is this cool Frankenstein story. They did the Frankenstein story correctly, but when they want to make him a monster who was sympathetic, they failed at that. They they fucked it up. It was like, like what if he didn't want to hurt Rampage? You know, he only did it because Megatron told him to, like, Dinobot, you control Rampage, yeah. You know, something like that. And like he's like, yes, Megatron. What, but no, what, he, what, he's totally cool killing people. Yeah. What it, what it ultimately boils down to is Dinobot Two is more style over substance, basically. Like that's basically what I'm getting. I think we're all getting at basically. Back in the day, I was happy to have the character back because I was a big fan of you know the original Dinobot. But it's kind of like you guys say, like it was kind of a a letdown, and you know he's he's just kind of brought back with little fanfare and the you know. The Maximals, they should like they should be reacting to this. They should be freaking out, but they're they're not. They're just kind of treating it like a, another day at you know at the office. I think if anything, like Dinobot One is the tortured soul. So I don't really have a problem with Dinobot Two being completely different. I just kind of wish they had, you know, like you guys have said, I wish they had done something with him. Like it's it's a shame that they never did that lost episode and 
we got a really crappy episode in its place because all the stuff in Nemesis, it just, it kind of comes out of nowhere because the, the the few episodes that he's in in the remainder of the series, he's just kind of treated like, you know, like like he's, you know, Bebop or Rocksteady from Ninja Turtles. Like he's just kind of like a grunt guy, but he should be, you know, there should be more like weight to him. Like he should be a bigger threat. And he, even in this two-parter, like there are moments where he's just kind of like, he does like, you know, cool like things. And, you know, he's like, he's a threat, but he's also like kind of like, treated like a, a chump sometimes like when he's like you know he's watching like megatron do his tasmanian devil thing or he's you know he gets like blasted away or he gets rocks dropped on him or whatever you're just like well you just introduced this guy like you're kind of already making him like look like a chump yeah i kind of feel like that the whole looney tunes bit is something that probably gets pointed at a lot of the decline of this season like i i I, I don't know where that like it's like was that to appeal to the 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 child demographic that was watching this show to have like sort of wacky hijinks and rather than you know intense violence like have kind of that comedic violence and that sort of somehow made it acceptable or I, I you know I don't know like I I just kept you know every time I see stuff like that. It, it, you know, I mean, I, I know it has a different connotation today, but watching a scene like that makes me cringe because I'm I'm just kind of like, oh, now it's all wacky and goofy and people are tripping all over themselves. Like, I mean, imagine if imagine if they tried to play the same optimal optimist scene where he's trying to jump in the way of the the laser blast for Cheetor. And instead of it being this like, no, and it's supposed to be like this dramatic thing where he jumps in the path of the blast. Like, imagine when he gets hit, if he did the Tasmanian devil shit and fell off a cliff, like, wouldn't that like totally <laughs> if destroy? He went, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he did a spin and he fell off the cliff and did the or whatever, like fucking goofy or whatever. Like that's I mean, to me, that kind of pulls the rug out from any sort of weight that the scene held and it's like was that their goal is it like was this was this deemed too scary you know like is that why they had to insert looney tunes hijinks into it so that that you know it had moods of lightness in between the the spooktacular as we're calling it you know like i'm 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 just trying to figure that out you know and that they already got their laugh with quick strike basically like you know when quick strike does the whole here comes poison like bit like and jumps behind the rock and that's a like looney tunes bit too like where he's getting like mauled behind the rock or whatever and like and then they had to do another funny bit like so it's a bit yeah excessive i guess there have been moments in that in beast wars before where it was like cartoony violence and, and you know like Derek said it could be a little bit more violent and more extreme I think it was just reading the room wrong. It was probably the writers there like, oh, let's do this. Oh, and then let's do this with the Tasmanian devil. And it was just a bad take. Because more often than not, the, the humor in Beast Wars is pretty spot on. You know, and, but in every series, there's a, bad, there's a bad take. There's a bad shot. So I don't, I don't really think it was like, you know, consciously like, you know, let's not be violent. Let's, you know, help the children, you know, or whatever you want to call it. I think it was really just more like it was not a funny joke and they tried and it just wasn't funny. Yeah, I don't know. They, I just think they inserted a little too much levity. And I guess maybe like the gags are easier to like, you know, to wrap the episode up faster than doing a protracted like fight scene or whatever. I I do like uh, back to Dinobot for a second. I do like when he first attacks Depth Charge and does like the Liu Kang bicycle kick to him. Oh, like, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I feel like editing that scene and putting in Liu Kang's there. And I also like, you know, we haven't talked about him yet, but I mean, Depth Charge is one of my favorite characters. And I think like, you know, he's got a great bunch of great like one liner, like dry humor things. Like I love the bit where. Megatron's like, you know, oh, Dinobots, like, test your metal against him. Ho, ho, ho. And Depth Charge is like, and to think I was wondering who to shoot first, you know, like, that's that's awesome. 
I, I think I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before, but but every time I see Death Charge and especially in this two parter, and uh, shout out to uh, Shag Matthews who I recorded a V podcast with recently, but I'm about to make a V comparison. But I mean, I've always thought of of Death Charge kind of like the Ham Tyler of the the Maximals, you know, like it's like he's he's the one that's a little more gritty, you know, he's off on his own, doing his own thing, and and he doesn't necessarily, he's not necessarily going to listen to Optimal Optimus, and they, they kind of come to blows in this episode, and it kind of reminds me of, you know, Ham Tyler and Mike Donovan coming to blows over things, you know, like just this idea. And, like, there's that weird, interesting aspect where Depth Charge doesn't have the capacity to he doesn't have time to stop and feel bad about anything. And even when they think Cheetor's dead, you know, his, his whole attitude is, you know, the cat was tough. He went out fighting like that. That's he just has to be like super cool and not that I think he's cool, but like actually emotionally cool, like that, that he doesn't get hot headed about it or sad or angry or anything. He doesn't really let anybody see behind his poker face and like there's that part of you that's like, oh, well, I guess that's how you have to be in those kind of life or death situations. But then there's also that gut reaction of like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, like it, to me, I was like, you know, you, you kind of sit there and go, he, he went out fighting. I'm like more like he fucking went out like a, you know, dipstick Dying. accidentally, accidentally, you know, uh, getting caught up in some machinery that went kablooey. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like, I don't know. It's like, is he overselling it because he liked the kid? You know what I mean? Like, like, and, and in that case, maybe he's showing more of a sensitive side than you could ever imagine because he's, he's trying to give Cheetor some of his own fan aura, even in, you know, perceived death. Like, I, I don't know. But anyway, I do find that uh, interesting as well. I, I always thought, uh, like, just me, myself, I always thought that Death Charge was more literally like Clint Eastwood. You know, he's just like the man with no name. He's got one name on his list and his rampage. Yeah, I can see that. He definitely has that kind of, yeah, the man who walked into town. He he needs his own, like, poncho and, like, hat, basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping it's coming soon, but I could really use a new depth charge toy, like an update of his original, like, you know, transmetal design. Like, I, I mean, the original toy is good, but I feel like it's got a giant backpack, like, and I feel like they could improve that somehow, but. Um, there, there is, I think it's Foursquare. Mike, so it don't really count, I guess, you know, if you really want to do the three-party thing. But uh, they made a Cyclonus, right? They turned that some bitch sideways, they're going to make it a depth charge. Oh, that's right, I did see that, yeah. Yeah, not close enough. Yeah. Like, if, if, if I was going to spend yeah. money on a third-party depth charge, it would have to be, like, you know, closer to his original design, like, so. I need you would a new... have to be impressed, yeah. Yeah. I need a new Transmetal 2 Dinobot, too. Like, a one that's closer to his, like, it's show odd. model. Yeah. I don't think a lot of third-party party does a lot of the fucking Beast Wars shit. They really don't. Yeah, they're just starting to do, like, Transmetals, basically. Like, they've, they're, they've got some third-party Transmetals, but no Transmetal 2s yet, I don't think so. Except Megatron, maybe. Like, I think Megatron's got himself a couple Transmetal 2 third-party toys. Oh, and he's... yeah. And he's got that official like legacy toy coming up too. So, but well, which everybody is really excited for. Uh, <laughs> I just see well, let's, well, on it. I'm like, just wait till you see it. Wait till you see it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's talk a little like in general about Transmetal Twos because like, I mean, I I kind of have a soft spot for them. Like, because I I like at the same time like you know McFarland toys was on were on the shelf at that time, and I thought those were like super cool even though they smelled funny. But, uh, like, yeah, I, I always thought Transmetal 2s were some kind of attempt to cash in on, like, the McFarlane aesthetic of, uh, you know, really well, like, freakishly sculpted, like, figures and stuff. And I, I don't know if they worked that worked too well, but I always had a, like, kind of soft spot for them. Am, am I... I, I would have to see your brothers. Like, Justin on Transmetal 2 Cheater is ugly. 
I'll let Derek go after this, but yeah, I, I, I got is you, a, Justin. Most of the others I liked, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, I, I hope I'm not a party pooper, but like when you say monstrously sculpted or whatever, like I, I always feel like that's an out for like, I mean, if it, if it looks like nonsense, then you can't really judge the transformation too harshly, if that makes sense. So I, I, I mean, it's like, yeah, he turns into a raptor, but it's kind of like a raptor with, you know, spikes and things and stuff. And, you know, yes, Cheetor turns into a cheetah, but it's kind of like a cheetah with a rocket spine that, kind of you know like like there's that stuff where you can you can sort of make out what it's supposed to be but then when you turn them into robots it's like well they don't quite have arms and legs per se they kind of have still you know claws and you know nails and things like that so like i it's interesting too because i i want to say like i mean then then there's that part of me that's like well i mean i i did i i almost feel like it was at this point, an attempt at completionism, but like, because I, I had gotten into Beast Wars, I couldn't, I had gotten into it too late, so I couldn't really get the toys of most of the first season stuff. Like, I think I found like Air Razor and I'm trying to think like Inferno, because of course he was on Clarence at KB all over the place and things like that. But like, you know, I, it wasn't like I was going to stumble upon a season one Waspinator or or Rhinox or whatever, who were regulars on the show. And and I think to, I, I guess the best way to illustrate this is I never went out of my way to buy a Transmetal 2 that wasn't on the show. Like, and, and maybe that's just how I'm built, like how I'm, how I operate. But th- th- to me, I would think if there was some Transmetal 2 design that was like super duper cool, like maybe I would have, you know, broken my, you know, my ritualistic habitual thing of like, oh, I want to put together a team from the show. So it was like, I remember getting Optimal Optimus and being really excited about it. I remember getting Depth Charge and Rampage and thinking, oh, these guys are cool. You know, I kind of, by the time the Transmetal 2 stuff came out, I kind of remember, yeah, okay, fine. I bought Cheetor. I bought Dinobot, but I, I feel like it was more out of obligation or complete completionism or something like that than to, you know to be a completist than than out of any kind of like oh boy this looks great. And then the other thing I was trying to figure out because it does sort of come up in this two parter, but like what was the gimmick like like because I sort of have a vague memory of like yeah, Cheetor had that weird green globular thing on him in the toy mode too right like that wasn't like a a rubbing decal was it like what what the hell did that do something in the toy because i can't remember now can, can i take this mike yeah good so the uh trans metal twos had a spark crystal and the the whole thing was is the first line of beast wars were animals that turned into robots and then the second line with Transmetal two Transmetal was is their vehicle modes look like animals, and then their robot modes are more animalistic. Like you know, it's like it's a rat, but it looks like a car, and it's a robot, but it looks more like a rat. And then Transmetal twos were like, we're just gonna push all that shit into one box. It was more of a merging of metal and yeah, flesh, I guess, like a, a mishmash, an uneven mishmash, I guess. Like, yeah. But did the did the spark uh, crystal uh, the, on the yeah. toy they actually could... do anything? No, you just revealed them. Like they they were mostly under like Tony. What was it like? Like a panel. Most of them had like or um, yeah. 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 Or just, like, or just right there, depending on what size, yeah. Yeah, most of so, yeah. so, I mean, for all intents and purposes, those spark crystals were the the the, the distant cousins of the, the rub sign, right? I mean, it yeah. was just something to, you know, so yeah. it was a gimmick, but it wasn't it wasn't anything that you're like, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't equivalent to like being a target master or a headmaster or something. It was just kind of like, it was something a little extra. If you were into it, then then good for you. But if you, if you didn't give a rat's, you know, ass about it, then, then, uh, you know, that, that was that. It was a cool visual, basically, I guess. Yeah. 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 
it is funny to mention one thing, though. I will say this. Optimal Optimus and Megatron Dragon both had extra modes, which was a transmetal thing, not a transmetal 2 thing. Yeah. Well, Optimal Optimus was technically just a transmetal. Like, he wasn't a transmetal 2. Yeah. True. Yeah. But but he, but but that fucking that Dragon Megatron did have that weird ass dragster mode. Yeah, the afterthought dragster mode. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. And anything okay. else to say about part one, or you want me to go on to part two? Um, I, I was going to give a list for good transmetal twos to Derek, but we can wait till after. Uh, <laughs> it's just it's yeah, just a, it's four toys that are really good. So yeah, we can wait. Yeah. All right, well, I'll just read the info for part two, and then we'll discuss that. Uh, and, like, yeah, anything else with this discussion. But, uh, yeah, Feral Scream Part 2 aired on January 31st, 1999, written by Jules Dennis and directed by Steve Sachs. Uh, hang on, my cat just wants to come in. Maybe it's Cheetor. Tell, tell it to maximize. You want Cheetor? Maximize! Ah. Yes, you did it! Optimus! Back off, okay? You're embarrassing me. A recovering Cheetor has nightmares about his ordeal and then soon undergoes a violent transformation into the oh-so-mysterious feral cat-like beast from last episode and escapes the base. Megatron claims ownership of the new Transmetal 2 Cheetor and sends the new Dinobot and Waspinator to capture him. Although the other Maximals believe the Cheetor has killed Cheetor. I mean, that, <laughs> that's exactly what happens, but I, I misread it. Uh, although the other Maximals believe the creature has killed Cheetor, Optimus Primal suspects the truth, and when restored, Cheetor returns to the base claiming to have killed the Werecat. Optimus accompanies him to find the remains. Just before Cheetor decides to confide in Optimus, Dinobot 2 ambushes them and Cheetor completes his transformation into a Transmetal 2 to protect the wounded Optimus. He manages to fight off Dinobot, but his beast mode is still feral, and Optimus manages to tame Cheetor into transforming back into robot mode. In the aftermath, Black Arachnia contemplates the alien artifact that was recovered from Megatron's machine and her impending conversion into a Transmetal 2. So yeah, that's Feral Scream Part 2. And I don't know, like I I feel like this is not as exciting a part as the first part, like I guess, just because, you know, like I said, the first part came back from like a hiatus. And this is just like, oh, yeah, the fucking, uh, obviously, the cat-like creature was Cheetor. And, I mean, obviously, like, he's going to be okay at the in the end. And he has his little squ- skirmish with Dinobot. And, I mean, that's really it. Like, this this isn't a very deep episode. I mean, there's some funny bits like, you know, Cheetor's dream sequence and stuff. But other than that, I think this is kind of a, a like, a come down, I guess, from the first part. But... I don't know. What about you guys? Well, I think this is, you know, kind of the joke I made earlier with Teen Wolf. And this is also to give credit to Derek's Frankenstein analogy for the first part. The first part was kind of spoopy, scary, like bringing people back from the dead. And then like, oh, this guy gets blasted. He's being mutated. And this, this second part was kind of like Teen Wolf. It's like, Oh, it's scary, but also I'm hitting on Black Arachnia, and I'm a I'm a attitude filled like you know maximal like come at me. So like yeah, it is kind of a come down. I mean yeah, I can see that. I mean I guess I guess there's again the the obvious analogy to you know I mean they 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 don't even they they hang the lampshade on it when they say you know I think Rat Trap says oh you know cyber puberty or whatever you know like they they just hang the lampshade right on it right where it, it is it is puberty right and it is a coming of age thing and i i think the thing that's missing i think from from what tony's been saying is yes uh cheetor is trying to look cool and yes cheetor is is fronting a whole lot but it, it when you actually go through puberty you're actually probably the most you know, self-conscious and and not cool that you've ever been. 
um, regardless of, of any kind of um, uh, uh, projection of coolness that you're trying. You know, it's the whole thing of, you know, he's, he's checking himself out in the mirror. But the minute Black Arachnia walks in, he's he's you know, switching arms back and forth and, and you could tell he's, you know, he's nervous as fuck. Right. Like, so it's like there, there's that, you know, or, or the, the thing of, you know, when, when he was younger, he probably wouldn't have minded optimal optimist lifting him up and going cheetor. But in this, all of a sudden he's like, you're embarrassing me in front of the other guys. You know, like he doesn't, you know, it's, it's, it becomes certain things that were acceptable at, at one stage of life become, uh, the, this this oh, is something that you become overly self conscious about in another stage of life, and and it's it's awkward, and 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 eventually you know everybody gets through it, and I think part of the maybe you know that that this isn't like the greatest of episodes. I mean, it's not, there's nothing wrong with it, right? But 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 part of that is like m- maybe depending on who you are and where you're coming to it from, you know, maybe watching, you know, some kid go through his awkward pimple phase, whether it's, you know, uh, a fucking transmetal too or not, you know, maybe it's just like, do I really want to watch a half an hour about kid with pimples? You know, like that's, that's essentially what, what you're watching, right? Like, like, uh, uh, so, I mean, I guess, you know, that, that, that aspect to it is, is something where you're like, okay, well that's, that's a little awkward. And and then you've got the, the werewolf metaphor, which becomes less scary when you interject, you know, what Tony's saying, the, the, the cyber puberty, the, the teen wolf aspect of it. It's, it's not so much a story about a, a teenage boy turning into a werewolf. It's actually more about a teenage boy dealing with hormones and pimples and I don't know what, whatever the fuck else, you know, that, 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 that accompanies that, you know, growth spurts and voice changes. You know, I used to have a high voice and now I've got a low voice or, you know, what, whatever, whatever scenario you're, you're going through. Right. But it's like, I, I think there is that aspect of been there, seen that, done that, whether it's what as ridiculous as that sounds, whether it's a transmetal two or, or whether it's, you know, just, Teen Wolf or, you know, whether it's a, a metaphor or an analogy or or it's an actual, you know, I don't know, uh, you know, waiting for Garp type thing or whatever, you know, that, then you're just kind of like, eh, OK, whatever. You kind of have walked that that path before. And I guess, you know, the further it moves away from the actual werewolf thing, it's like, well, what brought on the transformations? Like nothing, really. They didn't. It wasn't tied into Moonlight. It wasn't tied into some other thing thing it feels like i don't know so you know i don't know like those those aspects to this i i I find you know it's like it it was it was fine like like it's definitely well portrayed well you know uh the voice acting you know that gets all that across um but as far as like i don't know the other thing too is I, i i sort of tended to wonder about and this might be a weird thing to say, but I know it's true because they always talk about the budget for their character models in these CGI shows. And and there was that part of me that's like, well, I, you know, they, they definitely wanted to introduce the new toys. So, you know, they, they had to spend all this money, presumably, on Transmetal to Dinobot and Transmetal to Cheetor. And so they were heavily focused and featured. But then I, I sort of felt like certain characters, they kind of, fell by the wayside and for it being a two-parter it's kind of like is it just me or does megatron seem to heavily fall out of the equation by part two you know like so there's certain characters that just seem to get dropped you know from this like where, where you're like oh is this really does this does this technically flow the way you might think a story might logically flow and 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 in some cases I mean, it almost abruptly ends, too. You know what I mean? It's like Cheater's checking himself out, and then Black is like, yeah, I'm, I might be into that. And he's like, you might be into me? And she's like, no, I might be into changing my body to a transmetal, too. You know? And, and then that that's kind of how it all wraps up. So there's no... I don't know. It, you know, it, it's fine. It moved the story along, but I, I, I don't know that I was uh, super into it. I mean, I, I will give the... Uh the two-parter credit on the toy aspect because despite what i said you know even if i don't like the figure or i'm like ah teen wolf ha 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 transmetal two cheetor is super fucking powerful 
he one shot Dinobot and like Waspinator and even like gets a good lick on Megatron a couple of times. So like he's super powerful and that that and, like and they just introduced Dinobot too, who's also a transmetal. I mean, I, I kind of liked when they they had uh, transmetal two Cheetor in his feral mode and Dinobot in the Raptor mode face off against each other, and it was almost like they were doing this this John Woo you know uh, gun wielding Mission Impossible two you know flight exchange, but with the it's it's like they were both doing the Liu Kangs at one another and then spinning around <laughs> in a circle, you know, like doing the yeah. slow mo John Woo thing. I mean, you know, that's that's kind of fun, but yeah. but but that only you know that that's only like a, a minor aspect of it. Like I I I kind of get what what people are saying. It's like Optimal Optimus literally on the show is the largest uh, of the Maximal and Predacons, and it always seems like he's he's getting you know. He's always jobbing to 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 some some attack or something like that, and that that also made me question things too because I was like, well, I mean, the optimal Optimus toy was larger than most other toys, and then but then there's that unique like three shot which made me second guess all that because it's like there's that nice three shot of Transmetal Two Megatron Rampage and and Transmetal Two Dinobot, and and they're all. They're all together, and uh, and for the most part, it's like that unique G1 thing where they're, they're all essentially right, yeah. the same size. And and if you think about the the um, the product line, right, like Rampage conceivably should be much larger than Transmetal Megatron, and and especially that that Dinobot. Well, it, it's like Tigatron. Tigatron apparently, as far as canon, quote unquote. Has always been a Voyager size. He's a big boy. Yeah, he's he, his character model's a lot bigger. Yeah, I mean, Scorp yeah. Scorponok character model is like the smallest yeah, one of the Predacons. Yeah, but like his toy yeah. is the biggest one. So I mean, but I don't yeah. know. They, they their scales kind of all over the place sometimes. But they they be floppy yet. Yeah. Justin, we haven't heard from you in a while. Like, do you have any thoughts about part two of Feral Scream? I wish there was more like actual Cheetor in it. The dream is a good insight into what's going on with him, and you know it, it furthers the uh, the allegory as heavy-handed as it is, you know. But that's that's a good insight because it's he's going through all these changes and you know these his friends and comrades and you know love interests and the other side of the triangle there they're all laughing at him, right? As he's going through these changes, but I wish there was more to that. Like the rest of the episode, it's like, oh, I hey, yeah, like I'm not dead, and I'm like, I'm repaired. Isn't it great? And I killed that creature, and you know, Optimus doesn't believe him, and then he goes feral and all this stuff. But I wish there was more like to that. Like I wish there was more to like him, you know, going through the change. And then the ending, I always thought was a little like wacky doodle. It's like. How did Optimus calm him down? He's got like, I, I was always like, is this some kind of like leftover like Optimus Prime Spark stuff where he was able to like touch Cheetor's Spark? Is this something he gained like when he blew up at the end of season one? Like he can like calm himself and you know touch the spark of another Transformer? It just seemed like it was like it came out of nowhere, absolutely nowhere to end the episode. Because we in, ran out of time and we need to end the episode. In in retrospect, it's almost like some proto like beast yeah. machines thing or something like Optimus. Yeah, very, yeah. very much. Yeah. Yeah, like like Cheetor, I am transformed, you know? Like, right, come right. on, dude. Like, you know. I, I also like the scene where like Optimus kind of like stands up to dip charge and he's not taking any lip from him. I mean, I know you like dip charge, Mike, but I I, I kind of like flip flop on him sometimes. Sometimes I really like him, and sometimes I think he's just a huge asshole. You know, he's he's got that huge attitude problem. And well, sometimes, that, sometimes you're like, well, like, how much can how come how much like back talk can your commander take? And I always, I always loved in this episode, like Optimus is like, no, I'm not going to take any more like back talk from you. Like, I want to know exactly like what happened, and you're going to tell me, or I'm going to like take it from you and. 
Jeff charges like, okay, calm down. I'll tell you exactly what you need to do. And he tells him the depth charge thing. Like that's, that's a thing of like, I, I, I guess I, I have like my dad's voice in my head, you know, cause it was like, you know, like I, I always remember him at the end of star Trek two when Kirk's like, you know, his soul was the most human. And my dad would be like, dude, the guy was trying to downplay that human thing his entire life. And then at his fucking funeral, you, you say he's the thing that he's been trying to, you know, downplay his entire existence. It's like, what, what, a, what, you know, that, that, that was something where he was like, oh, that's, that's kind of a fucked up thing to say, you know, or whatever. And, and I kind of feel the same thing. Like when, when depth charge walked in, when they first thought Cheetor was dead and it's like, yeah, Cat was pretty tough. Went out fighting, and I'm just kind of like, "What the fuck? Like, what, what? It's like you don't even care, you know? Like, I don't know." And and so I I get what you're saying. Like, you you like that moment where Optimal Optimus, you know, it's like he's getting, you know, pushed this whole time by the kind of talk back and I guess uh, uh, disobedience or or whatever you want to call it, right? And 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 there's that moment where. You know, I guess in today's day and age, they'd probably try to sue Optimal Optimus for pushing him first, right? But there, he's been pushed this whole time, and it, it and it does you you do have that sense of uh, relief when he finally like pushes him, and he's like, "Come on, man! Like, give it the fuck up! Like, don't don't just sit here leaving us hanging! Like, I want to know exactly what happened with Cheetor so we could figure this shit out." And and you actually kind of feel a sense of catharsis because he's been. He's been, you know, being a that guy, you know, depth charge the, the whole time. And, and finally, like somebody's, you know, kind of calling him out on it, you know. Well, I mean, the thing about it is, is, like, if you're a real leader, if you're a badass leader, at some point you got to call out this fucking loner who has never led anybody. You're not as cool as you think you are, buddy. Ironically, like you know, you would think like you know, I'm not a big fan of Wolverine or whatever, but like I, I you wouldn't think I like Depth Charge so much, but I do. Just and I think that's maybe because of his like uh, because of uh, David uh, Sobolov's performance of him, like like you said, Tony, like it's sort of Clint Eastwood sort of you know uh, dry wit or whatever. So. But uh, I, I was just going to say, like, the the, the dream sequence, like, uh, I always laugh when uh, the CR chamber closes and Silverbolt's face comes up and he goes, zap him. <laughs> that always me, that always I mean, that's me that's laugh. that's got to be that non-confident thing of of going through puberty. You know, it's like like kind of what just was saying, like these these, you know, potential rivals. And in some cases, they're not really even rivals. They they do have the affection of black arachnia. Right. So it's not it's a, he's not even really a competitor, but he thinks in in his in his puberty that that somehow he might be some kind of competition for for the affections of black arachnia. And it's like and then he sees you know, Silverbolt as this rival and, and them, you know, basically making fun of them, which is probably natural, right? You think the world's out to get you or whatever, you know, especially in that circumstance. But, you know, that that's one of those things where you you you, you do have a lack of, uh, you know, confidence, e- even if you're if you're trying to project otherwise. And that's what all those those dreams kind of reflect. I also like when uh when they see like in the dream sequence in the Maximals watch Cheetor transform, you can see Rat Trap like covering his mouth like he's gonna throw up or something in the <laughs> background. Like Well, and then the other thing is, I mean, you know, you gotta look at it this way. I mean, how presumptuous is it to have a picture of black arachnia in your little bunk or quarters? And it's like, come on, man. It's it's almost like it's almost like when you were a teenager like me, I I loved Kelly Kapowski, right? Like, so it's like, okay, fine. I was going through puberty. I thought Kelly Kapowski was the hottest thing ever. It's like if I had a poster of Tiffany Amber Thiessen or Kelly Kapowski literally hanging up in my room. I mean, that's essentially what Cheetor's room was, except for he happens to be on the same. I, the only difference is he happens to be on the same ship with Kelly Kapowski. And, and, and then when Zach Morris rolls up, He's like, what the fuck, Zach Morris? I totally thought I had a shot. And you're like, no, dude, you didn't. You didn't. So, Yeah, I mean, I do I do like that sequence where Primal does his little spark meld with, like, Cheetor. Like, I think it's it's got that 
so that musical sting from like transmutate like the kind of tragic like otherworldly like musical sting when he's like reaching out to Cheetor. so like that's a like a emotionally effective moment i think but uh yeah i don't know like i think this is like you know the we gotta sell transmetal to Cheetor episode so that's i i will say like a lot of people uh give beast machine shit for supernatural new age crystal believing and shit stuff Transmetal cheese were kind of supernatural. They had like telekinetic bullshit. Yeah, that's they never weird, really explained. They, they never really explained any of that. Like why trans like even Black Arachnia shows like some telekinetic power when she's a transmetal too. Like so I mean they never really explain any of that. But whatever. I mean, I guess they, yeah. they didn't have time, like really. But uh, like, speaking of Transmetal 2s, yeah, yeah D- Tony, like what, like you said, like I, I mean, I have a lot of favorite Transmetal 2 toys. Like I, I like, you know, Tigerhawk and uh, Ramulus and like, you know, some of those guys. Like, I, what about you? Like, what do you have some favorite Transmetal 2 toys? Oh, yeah, 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 totally. Uh, Ramulus is fucking good. I forgot Tigerhawk was actually canonly uh, Transmetal 2. Also, Scarum is pretty fucking good. I also like Stink Bomb and Night Glider. And you know what's really fucking funny about that? Those are all used for Robust in Disguise. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they repainted a lot of those guys. Yeah, like Transmetal 2 Cyber Shark is Skybite. Yeah, they were bad molds. They, they, they were fun molds. Yeah. Some of them, I, I, some also, of them. I also Scourge like, um... can suck a dick. Oh, I, 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 I like Scourge, like the locust. Like I, I, I like him. Like I like his really? like sort of yeah, his like grasshopper legs and stuff. And like I like um. Oh my uh, god! Okay. What's it like? Spitor and uh, uh Iguanus. Like I like Spidor thought it was. Good. Yeah, like Iguanus I thought it was cool. Good. It was cool that they remade like non-show characters as Transmetal twos. So like that was pretty cool. Sonar sucked. Sonar. Sucks. Yeah, sonar kind of sucks. I'm I'm kind of reminded of of all those transmetal twos. I didn't own any of them except for Cyber Shark because I thought a shark was fucking cool. And when he turned into a robot, I could kind of make out the robot mode. And then ironically, that was you know retooled later for robots in disguise, right? But I, I just of of all those guys that you mentioned, like to be honest, a lot of that stuff looks like Bayformer stuff to me where I can't I can't quite make it <laughs> out. You know what I mean? Like at all. I mean, I you know, d- d- don't get me wrong. Like, I appreciate if, if you guys dig that stuff like that's fine. But it's just like one of those things where like sometimes I look at it and I'm like, well, what's the difference between um what was the guy Ramulus and Dinobot? Like, I mean, they, they kind of seem to have the same color palette. Like if, if, if I was like a blind person going to get my eye test at the DMV, like I would kind of squint and kind of think that they were basically the same thing. You know, I feel like if you showed like a, a normie, a noob, like both those guys, they'd be like, aren't they the same dude? Like type thing. Um, so anyway, that, that's just me, but, but I mean, I, I get what you're saying, like that you guys have your favorites and and there, there are guys that you, you know, appreciate more than, than others that were not on the show, but you guys did remind me like of, of all those characters, uh, because I was trying to think for myself, I was like, oh, I mainly just bought guys that were on the show. And then now that I'm looking at them, because I wanted to see which guys you were talking about, I'm like. You know, I did buy Cyber Shark just because I thought the shark mode looked really cool. So, uh, Justin, we just played you a bunch of names. Uh, Derek picked out one he liked. Did you like any Transmetal 2s? Megatron. Megatron, okay. <laughs> the yeah, that is fair. I mean, I, I was thinking of ones that were not on the show because, I mean, I liked... I mean, I, 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 yeah, I think yeah, I, yeah. Bought, I bought most of the ones that were on the show. Um, and, and I think I liked some of them, you know, but Mike, Mike, I love you, man. You're my friend, but like, damn, Scourge is just such a ugly piece of shit. Like, like <laughs> here, I'll, I'll counter that. I love Scourge and I love Injector, but I hate Retrax. So eat that. Oh my God. The Retrax has got me into Beast Wars. God, we're, we're <laughs> in it forever now. Yeah. 
I, I have a sort of connection to these episodes because, you know, I, I remember the circumstances in which I watched them. And like, you know, I, I had the toys before I went into them. So I already was like waiting to see them. And I mean, maybe like my expectations were not met. And like, like Tony said, like season three of Beast Wars is kind of weak in many places. But uh, I mean, I don't like it's it's at this point, I have nostal like a lot of nostalgia for these episodes, too. So it's like I can't like utterly hate them or whatever. Like, I think I like a, more than I hate about these episodes. They're totally watchable. Like they have some serious style to them, especially like the first episode, like with the whole Frankenstein sequence, like, and yeah, I mean, there's good bits like all around, like in them. But I don't, do you, you guys have any final thoughts? Yeah. Just, just the, the kind of what you're saying, like the, these are not the worst episodes. Like they're, they're fine. Like they're, I, I just think they're, you know, when, when you're thinking about go with the flow versus, uh code of the hero you know like these are these are somewhere in the middle i think maybe because of some of the the looney tunes hijinks maybe they skew a little closer towards you know go with the flow than code of hero but but i think they're you know they're somewhere in the middle you know they're 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 fine all right well i guess that that's it for our show on uh feral scream part one and two uh derek why don't you uh do our uh usual thing but do it with transmetal 2 power okay uh if you have any comments questions hey i'm super cool going through puberty and or concerns you can reach us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com if you want to check out the backlog of episodes you can direct download them over at fanholespodcast.blogspot.com we can be streamed on all kinds of sites we can be found on apple podcasts we're on stitcher radio google play spotify and amazon music and we're on all kinds of social media. You can find us on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, clearly, we have gone through Transmetal to Puberty. Otherwise, we'd be on, like, the TikToks and all that other, like, teeny bopper social media. But I guess we're not. So, yeah. Awesome. So this is Mike saying, oh, man, we got to, like, reach into my hip and get my spark or something. This is Derek, Derek WC. I will speak melodiously to you so you can you can maximize yourself, Mike. Signing off. What? <laughs> uh, this is Justin signing off. Cracker, destroy the Gobot. Like, does, Mike, does Mike sound a little fuzzy to you? A little bit. Oh, maybe atmospheric conditions aren't ideal. I mean, it's clear. I can understand you, but it's it's just the, kind of what Justin said. It's just a little, I don't know, fuzzy. It's weird. Let me shut off, uh, what do you call, shut my browser, got my notes out. And then yourself. Yes. Turn yourself off and on. And then turn myself off. Yeah. <laughs>